All right, thank you, Andrew. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is good to see you this morning, and it is great to have Pastor Rick and Wendy here uh, this morning. I was thinking this morning, Pastor Rick and Wendy and Lori and I have known, well, actually, Lori and Pastor Rick have known each other a lot longer than I've known them. Um, I don't know how to figure out that uh, math, but they both grew up in this church, uh, Mount Hope. So uh, Pastor Rick and I have known each other close to 20 years. Pastor Rick and Wendy and I have all known each other about close to 20 years and been working together in ministry for almost 16 years. And, uh, and I'll tell you this, uh, if you don't know Pastor Rick and Wendy, uh, nobody leads with more humility and a servant's heart than Pastor Rick and Wendy. There's nobody else that I'd rather do ministry with uh, than them. And so uh, they're here because they have opportunity to be here, uh, here because, uh, you know, at Mount Hope, we do truly want to be one body, one organization, even though we do meet in different places. And also, I mean, he is the senior pastor of our organization. So if at any point during the sermon, you feel compelled to yell out like, great point, Pastor Brian, or uh, this is like one of the best sermons I've ever heard, Pastor Brian. I mean, anything like that would be helpful, you know, for my annual review. Uh, So... Uh, you know, anything, anything like that is welcome. Uh, you, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, it, is, it is good to be, be here. We were supposed to be here last week. We were on vacation over that July 4th week. Like many people, we had struggles with our flights, getting home. More about that in a, a later uh, in a moment. Uh, but, uh, but it's great to be back with you this week and to be back here in the, in the book of 1 John. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Have you ever followed a voice in your life? Have you ever listened to somebody say something and it seemed like a good idea to you at the time, but now you look back on it and you say, what in the world was I thinking? I, that phrase, I, I feel like I've said that phrase before. I've heard other people say that phrase. Like, well, it seemed like a good idea to me at the time. Like, it made sense in the moment. Someone said something and, and you acted on it because you felt like, well, in the moment, it, it makes some sense what they're, what they're saying. Uh, there's this whole phrase that, I, that comes out of this sort of thing that happens to us. The phrase is buyer's remorse. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I've certainly experienced buyer's remorse where uh, an, an ad pops up on Instagram or maybe you, you catch an a infomercial on TV and someone has a kitchen knife and they're cutting through leather on a shoe. And for some reason, it makes sense to you that you need that kitchen knife just in case you need a knife that cuts through shoe leather. And so you buy it and it sat in the drawer for years and you've never used it. Uh, something like that happens. Maybe there's something, I think this happens in fashion where people tell us we should be wearing things and you look back at pictures. Do you look back at yourself a decade ago, two decades ago, and you say to yourself, what in the world? Why did we think that that was a a good idea? And then there's things that you buy. There's things that you, uh, there's things that you wear. There's also things we do. You do things in life. I think there's a lot of things that I did as a kid. We were out on our bikes and someone was like, hey, we should all see if we can jump our bikes off this seven-foot-tall retaining wall. And so we all did it, and someone got hurt. And you look back, and you say to yourself, why did we possibly think that was a good idea? But it made sense in the moment. It did sound like a good idea in the moment. And I bet, I bet if you look back at your life, you can find things like that too. Uh, things where maybe it's a career advice that you took, that you look back now, and you're like, well, why did I think that was a good idea? 
or relationship advice or anything along those lines. Sometimes there's voices that come into our life, and we're all, we're all susceptible to this, that we would follow a voice that's actually giving us advice or, or leading us to believe something that isn't necessarily true. And it happens with fashion, and it happens with things that we buy, and it happens with less serious things, but it also happens with very serious things like what we believe about Jesus Christ. That voices come in, and they're convincing voices. And they say things that maybe we haven't thought about or we haven't heard before. And we start to listen and we start to, start to believe. And, and the text that we're going to look at it in 1 John chapter 4 this morning is John, uh, the disciple of Jesus Christ, writing to some of his, I love the way Lynn Breitenbach, uh, who preached a couple of weeks ago, she has been saying in our preaching planning meetings, you know, John is like a spiritual father, a spiritual grandfather, writing to his children. And you get that that perspective throughout this letter. And so here is John writing to his spiritual children and grandchildren and saying things like, like beloved or, or my dear children, uh, be careful who you listen to. Because what's happening in this church, what's happening with these early believers is exactly what happens to us sometimes. Voices come in and tell us about who God is and who Jesus is. And if we're not careful, we're all susceptible to being led astray from what is the truth. And we live in a time now, uh, and I don't think any of us would change what time we live in, and the fact that every single person has a voice at the table today. It didn't used to be like that. Uh, it used to be that if you were on stage somewhere talking to a certain group of people, you had a voice, or if you were just a, a, a persuasive voice within your community, you had a voice. If you had degrees nobody else had, you had a voice. Now, within about 30 seconds, someone can set up a new social media account, and all of a sudden, everybody has a seat at the table. Everybody has a voice, which I don't think is necessarily a terrible thing. However, I do think it makes us even more susceptible to hearing voices that would lead us astray than ever before. That's what's happening in this church. And John has something to say to the early believers. And he has something to say to you and to me about who we listen to when it comes to understanding who God is and especially who Jesus Christ is. And this is what he says in 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 1. Let's take a look at this together. He says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus, Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children... You are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Here's what's happening in this early church. 
there are a group of people. John has witnessed to these uh, believers. I'm not sure exactly who the other voices are, but others have witnessed to these believers about the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is. There really is no more important doctrine or key doctrine within the Christian faith than the truth about Jesus, who is the Christ, being the Son of God, who has been sent by God down to this earth to uh, take upon himself the punishment of sin and death, die on the cross, be raised again, and ascend into heaven to return again. If we don't get our understanding of Jesus Christ correct... Uh, then, then we can get everything else right and still be off base when it comes to being a Christian. That is the, the key thing that we have to make sure that we have in place. Who is Jesus Christ? How is he in relation to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit? Who is he as Savior and Lord and King? And so in this early church, John and maybe others had, had discipled these early believers as to who Christ is. And one of the things that had been taught is that Jesus, and correctly taught, is at the same time both fully God and fully man. That he is both human and divine and full at the same time. Now you have a group of people coming into this early church and denying the humanity of Christ. That's what's happening in the early church. And so you're having divisions in the early church. You're having people whose faith in Jesus is being led off and they're being led astray by these strong voices in the life of the church that are saying, yes, Jesus was God, but he wasn't fully human. And the problem with that is if he's not fully human, then how can Jesus take on the full punishment of sin and death onto himself for all of humanity? He has to be fully human in order to take on that. How can he, as scripture says, how can he understand what it's like? Uh, the writer of Hebrews says that he understands everything that we walk through and our temptations and our sufferings, yet he did it without sin. The only way he could understand all of that if he fully lived in a human body on this earth. And so John's rightly concerned about this. But it's, it's not just that he's concerned I feel like there's this sense within the letter that, that Jesus is like, or that John is, is that spiritual parent, is that spiritual grandfather. And when you're, when you're a parent or, or a grandfather and you're looking at your children and they're being led astray by voices they shouldn't listen to, it's not just that you want to help them and correct them. There's also this sense that uh, you should know better. I taught you better than this. We talked about this. We went through this. And I feel like as I read these verses that there's, and I read some of the other passages within this letter that address a similar thing, that there's that sense within John that, that I've taught you about this. I've showed you this before. We've gone through this and you should know better. And in fact, I think the first thing that John is saying to the believers and he's saying to you and me, is that you have everything that you need to test and know whose voice to follow. I think this is really important. As believers in Jesus Christ, you go to church and somebody stands up on this stage and they tell you who Jesus is. 
And then you go online and you can listen to any number of people that you want to listen to online and they tell you who Jesus is. And then you walk out into your workplace and there's all sorts of opinions on who Jesus is. And you could go to somebody that has their PhD in biblical studies and they might give you an idea on who they think Jesus is. And so all of these voices can tell you who Jesus is and who they think Jesus is. And what John is saying is that in the midst of that confusion and all those different messages, you have everything that you need to test and know whose voice you should follow. If I put myself back in this first century context, it's interesting. John is saying to the early believers, he says it very, this way, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see if they, from God, uh, they are from God. And he doesn't mean spirit as in, as in ghosts. This is not Scooby-Doo where he's trying to figure out if, the, if it's just a spirit in a costume. But he's saying, what is behind, what is behind the message that's being preached? Is it the Holy Spirit or is it another spirit? Because it's all or nothing. It's either the Holy Spirit, it's a message from God, or it's a message from the spirit of uh, the Antichrist. And if you know your Bible well, and you're thinking of the book of Revelation, John is not saying that the Antichrist is already in the world, but he's saying the message that's being preached is of that same spirit. So he's saying, test that. Where is this message coming from? And in the first century, it's interesting to me because I would tell you today, read your Bible. But John cannot say that to these believers. There is no New Testament for them to read. It's still being written. And even the Old Testament scrolls that would exist in the local synagogue, they were, they were read only by a few and they were read publicly. But there was no way for them to go home and open up their Bible app and study it while they're, while they're at home. And John is still saying to them, even though you don't have this in your possession 24 hours a day, you still have everything you need to be able to test and know whose voice to follow. And there's two things that John says that they have. One, he says, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. In fact, John heard Jesus when Jesus was on this earth say this to the disciples. John was right there and Jesus said this. He said, I'm going to leave and the Holy Spirit is going to come. And the Holy Spirit, he is going to guide you into all truth. And John says earlier in chapter two of his letter, of this letter, he says to the church, he says, you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. There is a sense that if you are growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you are a mature follower of Jesus Christ, someone who is understanding him more and more, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you and he will, if you listen to his voice, lead you to truth. The second thing that these early believers have is they have, through John, a firsthand witness to everything that Jesus did and said in his ministry. John says it right at the beginning of the book. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we also proclaim to you. 
And one of John's arguments throughout the entire letter is that these people that are coming to you and saying that Jesus wasn't fully human, they don't know Jesus. I do. I've walked with him. I saw him. I heard him. He also uses in the first few books of the, of the, of the first few verses of the letter, I touched him. I have knowledge of who he is. So don't listen to them. Listen to me. In fact, there's a, in verses 5 and 6, there's this point that, that I find is a little interesting where, where John says, those people, they're from the world, but I, I'm from God. And I, when I first read that, I say to myself, well, that's kind of a, I mean, that's a hard argument to just take at face value and believe, right? Why should I believe John? Oh yeah, those people that disagree with me, they're worldly, I'm godly. I mean, that's, that's not really a, a, a solid argument in my book. But when I go back to that first chapter and I'm reminded, John saw Jesus, John heard Jesus, John touched Jesus, John walked with Jesus. If I'm going to listen to somebody's voice, I'm going to listen to the person that was there and saw and heard. And John's saying, you have everything that you need to figure this out. I think it's really challenging, and I hear it from believers all the time. So-and-so is saying this about Jesus. So-and-so says this about the Bible. So-and-so is saying this is what God wants to have happen in our culture and in our world and in our city and in our town. Like, what do you think of all of that? And, and I, of course, have my opinions. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, we should be growing to the point that we have the maturity to listen to the Holy Spirit and to listen. This is why we need this book, to listen to those who saw him and heard him and touched him. There has to be a moment in your walk with Jesus where you own this. Where it's not about what everyone else thinks, but you know so well what people who walked and taught and, and, and watched Jesus say about him that you can begin to discern the voices and understand what's in line with that and what isn't. And John says, you have everything that you need. He said, well, I don't really have a fancy degree. These people didn't even have the New Testament. And John told them they had everything they needed. <laughs> it's so easy to get led astray. It's so easy to think that voices are saying something that's good and right when they're really leading us in a wrong direction. I remember when I was, I don't know, I was probably 12 or 13 years old. Speaking of things that we buy that seemed like a good idea at the time, but really weren't a good idea. Does anyone remember the water balloon launchers that they used to sell? They do not sell them anymore. They are like illegal. But someone would, they would take uh, surgical tubing and there was this big, huge circle on one side. And I see some people smiling. Big, huge circle on the other side. And then there were these handles. And it took three people to launch this thing. But two people would hold the handles like this. And one person would grab the water balloon. And they would pull it way back to the ground. I mean, it was like $8.99 at Target. It seemed like a good idea. And you could launch a water balloon 150, 200 feet in the air. And it would come down with the same like consistency and speed as an anvil. And it would just explode on the ground. One time I friends and I, we had an empty lot across the street from my house. And my friends and I, we had our water balloon slingshot out and we were, we were slingshotting water balloons over the street and trying to hit targets um, in the field across the street from my house. And one of us, I don't remember which one, said, we know how to do this. We need a moving target. 
And it seemed like a really good idea at the time, right? And that made a lot of sense. If we're really going to perfect our skills with this, this toy, which was really a weapon, uh, we need a moving target. And so one person said, all right, the next car that comes down the street, let's just see if we can hit it. And I thought, I thought in my head, like, yeah, it's just a water balloon. I mean, was it just, right, on the side of the car? And so uh, we, we got the slingshot, and we held it, you know, usually it's like this. We held it like this. And someone, usually they pull to the ground. Someone pulled straight back. And this station wagon came down my street, and it had, like, that wood paneling on the side. I mean, it's classic. It came down the street. And we let it go, and the, the sound of the impact on the side of the vehicle, I thought the driver wouldn't even notice. You just have like a little water on the side of your car, no big deal. Um, I, I don't know how to describe the sound, but it was, it was you know, uh, it echoed throughout the neighborhood, the sound of that water balloon striking the side of that car. And the three of us just dropped the slingshot and ran and hid in my own backyard, which really tells you we didn't think about this because we shot it out of my own driveway and hid in my own backyard. So the driver just walked up to the door and my parents were right there and we were busted. <laughs> now, luckily, it did not cause any damage to the car. It did not hurt anybody. Of course, now I realize that would have been a possibility. What's my parents' response? You have everything you know to realize this is a dumb idea, right? Everything you need is already in your mind to think this through and realize that this was a terrible idea. They, I, I couldn't say, well, I didn't have like an instruction manual that told me not to do it. Well, you know, I didn't, I don't know how these things work and I don't know, I've never shot this thing before. All that was untrue. They were right. I had everything I needed to know and discern. I just didn't apply it. And I think that so many of us in our walk with Jesus Christ, you have everything that you know to discern the voices that are out there saying things about who God is and who Jesus is. But sometimes we just don't apply it because it takes work. And sometimes we like what people are saying about who God is and who Jesus is. And so then to accept who he really is would mean that we would have to accept something we don't really like or, or doesn't really sit well in our, in our hearts. It would be a hard truth about Jesus that we have to, to appreciate. And John's saying to his spiritual children, he's saying, Beloved, you know better. You've got everything that you need. Test the spirits. And this is the test that John gives them. He says here, the primary test is to assess what the person confesses about Jesus. That's your primary test. What do they say about Jesus? Is it in line with what I say as an eyewitness about Jesus? Is it in line with what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about who the person of Jesus is? Is it in line? And John gives that to them as the first test. Think about what they're saying as Jesus, as who Jesus is. Now, pay attention to what John is not saying. John is not saying, is this person a pastor? I have heard so many people come to me over the years and say, I'm not sure about this, but the person that said it was a pastor, so, I mean, it's got to be right, right? No, it doesn't. It's not that hard to get the title pastor. I mean, anyone can start calling themselves that and gather people together and start an Instagram feed. 
I mean, I'd love to tell you it's really hard, right, to get that title. But it's, it's not in our world. It is at Mount Hope, but not in our world. So you can't just take something because of that. You can't also not take something because someone has a large church. Don't look at the size of the church and then just take point blank whatever that person says about Jesus. Because they're on television does not mean they're saying the right thing about Jesus. And I got to tell you, I look back and actually some of the most, uh, you know, there's been some painful things over the years where people that I have listened to and that I, it comes out that, that their lives were not bearing out the truth of, of what they were saying. We're all susceptible to this. But John says, pay attention. Because usually what happens is you can look back and you can say, yeah, that was a little off. But at the time, you don't realize it. So John's not saying, hey, check out their Twitter feed, and if they have over 1.5 million followers, then whatever they say about Jesus is pretty good. John says, no, no, no. Based on what I've said, based on who the Holy Spirit is, is what they're saying true about Jesus. But he also gives a secondary, that's the primary test. He gives a secondary test in this passage. And I didn't recognize this at first, but I was reading uh, a commentary by, a, by an author and pastor named John Stott, and, and he brought this out. I thought it was really helpful. That's not just about what are they saying about Jesus, but John, bring, uh, John Stott brought out that John in verses 4 and 5 is also saying, look at their followers. Who's following this person? What are their lives like? Are their lives bearing out the fruit of the gospel? Because people that speak falsely about Christ are from the world, John says, and the world listens to them. But people who listen to our voices are also from Christ, and they are, their lives will bear that out. And I thought that was a really helpful test as well. Not just what are they confessing about who Jesus is, but also look at the people who are listening to them. Are they mature followers of Jesus Christ? Do their lives, out, do their lives bear fruit consistent with Jesus Christ? And if the answer to that is no, then you need to be wary about what they're saying. So I said last Saturday our flight was canceled. Uh, we were supposed to be home Saturday. Flight got canceled. And I'm not going to go into the whole story right now because I, based on how hard it was to get home last weekend uh, from Florida, I feel like I have somewhere between 60 and 75 sermon illustrations. I'm going to milk that for all it's worth, all right? So I'm just going to give you a piece so I can save more for later. Uh, our flight was canceled. We had a nonstop flight, Orlando to Boston. Should have been nice and easy. I know no matter if you were flying anywhere last week, uh, I know a lot of people had trouble. So our flight gets canceled on Saturday. They tell us the only way they can get us home Sunday, and we're trying to get home for Monday work and everything else, uh, the only way we can get home Sunday is if we fly out of Tampa, which is about an hour and a half away, through LaGuardia back to Boston. So now we've got to figure out how to get from Orlando to Tampa. So last sat Sunday morning, uh, before church started even here, uh, my whole family was packed into an Uber traveling from Orlando to Tampa. Let me just tell you something about myself. This might be surprising to some of you that don't know me that well, um, but those of you who know me well, this will not surprise you. I'm not the, the, 
I'm not the guy that likes to chit-chat just randomly with people. I'm always, like some pastors, they they get up and they say, I love flying because I'm stuck next to people for three hours and and I can have a conversation and we can get to know each other and we can talk. When I fly, I I get on and I just want it to be clear that this is three hours where I don't have to talk to anybody. And so it's like earbuds, headphones, stocking cap, hood, and I just slide down in my seat and try try to lay low for that three hours. I'm not proud of this. I'm just telling you this is kind of who I am. So I get in the front seat of this Uber, and it's a 90-minute drive, and my family's stuck in the back, and I know within, we're pulling out of the driveway, and I say to myself, this guy's going to chat all the way to Tampa. (laughs) So I'm preparing myself mentally. I'm like, this is going to be it for talking for the day for me. So we're driving to Tampa, and he's chatting and chatting, and he's a super nice guy, Uh, and and so uh, he reaches down and turns on the radio. And he turns on the Sirius Satellite radio station. He turns on the Kirk Franklin Gospel Music Channel. And, uh, and I said, I said All right. and he lo- kind of looked at me sideways. I'm like, this is good with us. Like, you don't have to worry about us. This is good. Turn it up. We're, we're fine with this. And, uh, and then I noticed that on his, the dashboard of his car was a really nicely bound leather Bible that was folded over with a pen stuck in the middle. Uh, I'm assuming, you know, he reads when he's not driving. And, uh, and he said to me, he's like, I got, got to get you to Tampa because I got to get back to Orlando and go to, go to church. And I said, all right, well, I can deal with this conversation for 90 minutes. And, you know, one of the things I said, well, what church do you go to in Orlando? And he told me the name of the church. And he said, but recently my wife and I left, left the church. And he said, it was really hard because we've been there for a long time. And I said, uh, he had eight kids, by the way, which blew my mind. But that's a totally different thing. Him and his wife, eight children. But he said, he said we, we had to leave the church. And he said, our former pastor passed away very unexpectedly a while back. And he said, that was really hard for the church. We'd been with him for 17 years. And then he said, there was a, a, a pastor that took over. And I just, we can't do it. And I'm always a little skeptical about that, reasons why people are leaving their church. And I said, well, who's your new pastor? And he mentioned the name of someone who's very popular, but who is someone that I would encourage you not to listen to. And he said, that person's the new pastor of our church. And he said, I just, every time I go, I listen to the sermon and I think about what I'm reading during the week in my Bible and they don't match. So we have to go. And he's like, it's really hard. And I don't normally encourage people for leaving their churches, but this person is very well known. Their messages are everywhere. And if you told me you were listening to them, I would encourage you to find a new voice. And the fact that he was telling me, I know this so well. I study this so well that when this person gets up and they start preaching and I hear them talk more about them and their struggles and their ministries and how they need the congregation to support them so that they can build their ministries bigger. And he's like, and I'm looking at the congregation and the needs in the congregation. And I'm looking at this multimillionaire up on stage who's just asking for more support. He's like, I don't see anything in here that is relating to the message that I'm receiving on Sunday morning. They feel contrary. But the only reason he knew that is because the Holy Spirit living inside of him and the fact that every single day he was spending time getting to know Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what John is calling the church to. You need to know who Jesus is so well. 
You need to be in this and understand it so well and so in tune with the Holy Spirit that the moment someone starts speaking and the message is off, you can find it. And part of me hesitates to say that, if I'm being honest. Because anytime you say something like, listen, every one of you individuals knows the truth, and so go and follow it, it can get a little dicey. (laughs) But yet the truth of Scripture is, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. He will lead you to all truth. So pursue Him and read the Scriptures. Read the firsthand accounts of the people who heard and saw and touched Jesus. I'm going to say one more thing, and then then we're done. I've been struggling with how to apply this to our church as I thought about this text, especially very specifically, because if anything, we don't have voices denying Jesus' humanity in our world. We have voices denying his divinity in our world. And yet in the first century, it was more the humanity side that was being And so I've been thinking about, well, what does this mean for us? I mean in Mount Hope in Belmont or the church in in Boston. And the other day, I felt like God impressed something upon me that I wanted to share with you as we close this morning. John is saying uh, here in this text, this is what should should, uh, make you divide and separate from people. If someone is saying something that's inconsistent with what the Holy Spirit says about who Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the Savior of the world is, if someone's saying, separate from that person. Don't allow them to be a, sheep, a wolf in sheep's clothing among you. Get them out. Separate from them. But he's also saying something very powerful here that doesn't come through to me when I first read the text, but as I think and pray about it, it's something that I think is so important in our world, especially with so many voices. We're really good at figuring out or trying to figure out what divides us and separates us in the Christian world. We ought not to miss the power of what unites us. When someone gives a confession about Christ, it divides us. That is false. It divides us. But when someone gives a confession about Christ that is true, it ought to unite us as believers in Jesus Christ. And let me share with you why I think this is so important. As I look back on the pandemic time, one of the things that I was really surprised by, and I had to, just in my own heart and mind too, I had to think through. I was really surprised by the things that we as Christians allow to break fellowship with one another. John's talking here about what is worth breaking fellowship over with fellow brothers and sisters, or people that call themselves brothers and sisters in Christ. So if someone's saying something true, untrue about Jesus, break fellowship with them. One of the things that I felt like happened in the pandemic, not just, I'm not talking about necessarily here in this room, but I'm saying in our churches, is that as Christians, we started to break fellowship over other things, even though we maintained a true confession in Christ. 
What John is saying is a false confession of Christ should divide you from people. A true confession of Christ should unite you as brothers and sisters in Christ. John heard Jesus in chapter 17 in his final prayer say this. He said that he prayed that we would be one. He would be, we would be one so that the world would know. The world would know that he had, had been sent by God. That's the wrong verse, excuse me. Jesus played in John 17 that we would be one so that the world would know that he's from the Father. And John heard that prayer. And now he's coming to the church and he's saying, your confession about Christ, yes, it should help you divide you from false voices, but you should be united around a true confession in Christ. He says in that early verse that I just had up on the screen, I'm sharing these things with you so that you can have fellowship with God and with us and with one another. That's why I'm telling you these things about Jesus, so that you can have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another, he says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. This is key, he's saying to us. And we go through a time like the pandemic, and I'll pick the lightest one I can think of. Should the church meet in person? Lots of opinions. That's fine. Really hard as a pastor to figure out the answer to that question. First time pandemic for me too, and for Pastor Rick. Next pandemic, we will lead way better. But we started to divide fellowship over that. We divided fellowship over masks. And those were the easy ones. We divided fellowship over race. We divided fellowship over presidential elections. We divided fellowship over vaccines. And I wonder, John would come and say, I was there in the garden and Jesus said, God, please, please keep these people one so that the world would know that you have sent me, that their true confession about who I am as your son would lead many to believe. And John comes to the church and says, when someone makes a false confession about Jesus, yeah, divide from them. But yet at the same time, he said, I'm telling you a true confession about Jesus. And you know why I'm telling it to you? He says in the first few verses of this letter, I'm telling this to you, that you may be united in God and that you might be united with one another. And what I'm encouraging you today is know Jesus so well that when someone speaks, you know whether or not they're telling the truth. And when you find other people who hold on to that true confession as to who Jesus is, yeah, they might be a different denomination. Yeah, they might have a different idea about baptism. Yes, they might have a different voting, uh, voting metric than you have. But they are your brother and sister in Christ and in a world filled with false voices. It is vital that we stay united the world might know that God has sent his son into this world. Know Jesus so well that you know when someone else knows him well. And when you find someone else that knows him well, 
be united with them in Christ. I'm going to invite our worship team up as we prepare to close and ask that you would pray with me. God, the, the message that we're hearing today, this idea of, of holding on to the incarnation and walking with you through this stormy world, it is a difficult thing to do, and it is not always a fun thing to do. But God, I pray, I pray for this body of believers here. God, I pray that you would re- unite us around who Jesus Christ is. I pray that the truth about who you are, Jesus, as the, as the Christ, as the anointed one, as the Messiah who came to live and to die and to be raised again, that we might have relationship with, with God the Father through you, that we might have, be filled with the Holy Spirit because of you, and that we might be one. God, I pray that you would unify us that you would lead us and guide us, that you would convict us of where we are listening to voices that we should not be listening to. Lead us into truth, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and let's close out in our time together.